Hello and welcome to my podcast. It's Mariana Making Sense. You decide. So today we are having an interview with CJ Grace, the author of Adulterous Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not. She uses infidelity and cancer for positive change. And I feel like this conversation is just amazing. We touch on so many points that I believe as a society we should talk about more. And I hope you enjoy it. And just so you know, this episode, it's divided in two. So we're going to have the first part today. And if you want to keep listening to this amazing conversation, the next bonus episode will be dropping on Friday. So thank you. Hello, CJ, and welcome to my podcast is Mariana Making Sense. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm great. And thank you so much for inviting me to be on your show. So I wanted to talk to you about, I mean, I talked to you briefly a few weeks ago, and I think you're an amazing woman and like so funny. You get to inspire others. And again, as I told you, I listened to a few of your interviews and I'm like, she's talking the unspeakable things, right? I feel like you go on that borderline where we need to tell the truth to the world because this society is tough nowadays. And I feel like life has taught you a lot about how to grab, let's say, life by the horns. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing like a little bit of adversity to, to get you to find out ways to enjoy your life more, let's say. <laughs> and what would you say? I mean, tell us a, a little about you, who you are, what have you have done? She is a great author, people. So, but wait, let me give it to CJ. <laughs> well, you know, in a way, I'd been living a charmed life. I had a dream job as a journalist with the BBC. I was meeting celebrities, politicians, people who were making their mark on the world. And I really felt like I had my finger on the pulse of current events. And then I got a transfer to work for China Radio International in Beijing. And it was there that I had a fairy tale falling in love with an American guy. And, you know, fast forward to our 25th wedding anniversary. We spent it in Hawaii. It was the best one ever. And I really thought that our relationship was as solid as a rock. But little did I know that just two years or so later, my whole world would come crumbling down. My, my husband was openly carrying on an affair with a woman half his age. And, and then I found out that I had breast cancer for the second time. And I actually have one of those BRCA genes that Angelina Jolie uh, has thought to be uh, a potential death sentence. So it was really a very, very difficult time for me. I, I had the ground kicked away from underneath my feet and I'd entered this sort of brave and terrifying new world. So, so that's really my story in a nutshell. And how old, if I may ask, were you when all of this happened? Well, how old was I? Um, I was in my mid-50s, I think, or early mid-50s when I found out about the uh, infidelity. And then a couple years uh, after that, just less than two years, I think it was around a year after I found out about the infidelity, I came down with the second diagnosis of breast cancer. So um, 
I was, uh, you know, in midlife and thinking that everything was settled and, and, you know, the rest of my life would go on and even keel the way it had been before. Not the case. No. I know. But I feel like, I mean, of course, nobody wants like um, that that happened to anyone, right? Or, or to ourselves or to people that we know. But I know one of the things that I mentioned to you that I love is that you say that you're grateful that your husband has had a mistress. And I feel like, I mean, I'm going to ask you why, but I feel like if you had such a wonderful life, right? Like where you had everything that you just described, like meeting with the artists and people like you have the, everything at the palm of your hands and you were in, well, you're from UK, you were in Beijing, like live this love storyline and then life shook you, like as I call it, So I, I'm an immigrant here in Canada and I feel like Canada grabbed me with a bat filled with nails and it hit me multiple, multiple times. I feel like if that's what your life was and you were like at the peak for so long and then you go through this, but again, your, your, your perspective on it is, is that you're grateful. I feel like it's a good mid, you know, like midlife kind of like, okay, you get to have a new one take it to that's a new right. life. That's right. Um, you know, and sometimes when you're in a long term relationship, you don't realize the things that aren't right with it. And I only realized some of those uh, issues when I was actually out of the relationship. And the fact is that I am so much happier now on my own and without my husband. Uh, so that's exactly why I'm grateful to to the mistress that he had, because um, in effect, he's taken him off my she's she has taken him off my hands, in effect, and left me free to live the life I want to live. I'm no longer having to minister to him um, or, you know, the business we shared together. My children are grown. It's like I'm a free woman. Finally, you know, exactly. It's it. It's crazy because I, I mean, if I do the math right, you were married in your 20s, right? Um, yeah, I was married in, yeah, in my, in my 20s or mid 20s um, or so. And uh, we lived together in Beijing for a while. He was, um, he was also um, studying there while I was working mm -hmm. for China Radio International. And at that time, we thought, well, you know, if we can put up with each other, in a difficult environment like Beijing, we can put up with each other anywhere. Yeah. Um, but that proved not to be the case. Uh, so uh, I'm glad that I had the life that I had with him. I don't regret it. Because when you think about it, regret is not about the past. It's mm -hmm. about the present. And if you're happy with your present as it is right now, you don't regret what's happened to bring you to that point. So I don't, re I don't regret the relationship. I think we both got a lot out of it. I have two wonderful grown sons and so uh, you know it was a good thing uh, obviously he had uh, some shortcomings as a husband but um, you know so be it we're all flawed human beings yeah. and uh, you know in the book that I write that, that I've already published Adulterer's Wife How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not the mantra is that the best revenge is to get past the need for it you know if you get stuck in revenge and vengeance strategies after infidelity all it does is keep you churning in that negativity yeah. um, my aim was to use it as a catalyst to move forward so that I learned how to become more complete creative and joyful as a human being in my own right with or without a partner 
And, and that was very important to me. And that was a very important lesson to learn. Totally. And I feel like you also got out, I guess, very quickly of that victim stage, right? That's right, so right. many people love to be. It's like their favorite spot. And I've, I mean, I've heard from people that it's so easy to fall into the victim state, right? Into the, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Like it gets so comfortable within with the time that it's so hard to get out of there. And I feel like that's such a like danger zone. That's true because um, it seems to be one of the problems today that everybody is framing themselves as a victim and therefore they need um, assistance in some way, you know, because they are a victim. And so uh, it prevent, it does absolutely prevent you from moving on. Absolutely. Because it doesn't, you want to be a victor and not a victim. You want yes. to be the victor of your circumstances. And however crappy your circumstances are, there are always thousands upon thousands, millions of people in far worse circumstances who managed to make it through. Um, so it, in many ways, I feel very grateful um, for a lot of things to be in a relatively free country, uh, to not be in a war zone, to be in a, in a place where women have um, freedom, which is not the case in so many countries in the world. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of infidelity, there are many uh, third world countries where infidelity is absolutely fine if the man is doing it uh, and the woman is just supposed to put up with it and uh, you know keep the home fires burning and raise the children. Uh, and um, if a woman has, uh, an affair or commits adultery, you know, she can get stoned <laughs> to death. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm very, very grateful for so many things. And uh, it's, it's really necessary to not see yourself as a victim because then you can never move forward. Um, the best thing to do is to use it as a catalyst, any kind of adversity. And we all have adversity. It doesn't necessarily have to be infidelity. Um, you know, having gone through both breast cancer and infidelity, ill health is a hell of a, um, a kick in the pants to decide to sort of, if not now, when, you know, you have to live <laughs> your life now because you just don't know how long you have on, on this earth. Uh, and the fact is you can go out and get run over by a truck tomorrow. Uh, so, so, you know, you should be living the life you want to live right exactly. now. And, not, and I feel what right now and, and uh, not tomorrow because tomorrow is always put off. Yeah. It, it's like another thing that I, that I loved of, of what, what you say, it's that life is short, go for what you want now. And I feel like I've been like that since I was little. And it's funny of I'm touching on, on, on certain things that you just said. I remember being little and I was telling my mom, I don't know, mom, I want a tattoo. And she was like, the thing that they tell you all the time, it's, but what about when you're 70 and your face or like your skin, it's all wrinkled. And now you have that tattoo. I'm like, why? Like, why would I worry about something that it's, ha it's going to happen to me in 60 years? What if I die? What if I die before that? Like, I need to enjoy my tattoo now. And it, it, it's funny how sometimes we think so far ahead and don't get to live the present day. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, well, going back to the victim part, I feel like I have a few friends that have gone through either being cheated on or certain hiccups in their life. And they just got get stuck or get sucked into the spiral of victimism, right? And you talk to them years after and they're like, no, but he did that. And he, he, he's now doing that. It's like that person, it's out of your world. Like, why do you keep 
punishing yourself. And it's like, it's like you say about revenge. Revenge is more, I think it may sound fun when you're like, oh, I want to take revenge on this person and like mash his car or whatever. But I feel like it says so much about the person who is making that revenge happen than the other one. And yes, as you say, it, the best it's to get past the need of it. But talking on that point, how do you think you reach that point? Because I don't think it's, I think it's easy for me to say it when I haven't suffered it. So when did you notice or realize that revenge was not worth it for you, for example? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. It's absolutely easier, much easier said than done. And I, I definitely went through some um, dark periods when I first found out there's no no question everybody is going to go through that um but you know um i actually without planning to do it i developed a sort of six-part program of mm -hmm. things that i did to help me bring out bring me back into a more positive state you know um and i found those six things that i did useful for both coping with infidelity and for coping with the breast cancer and i think they're useful for any form of adversity and what i wanted to do was to get off that emotional roller coaster of negative feelings yeah and so i can go into detail if you'd like of the of the six part program and and uh, i think it's useful for for everybody to hear it yes, the first I thing wanna, i sorry, yeah. i was going to say i do want to hear about it and also i want you to tell me if you've heard like success stories about people that have followed this program that have reached out back to you and be like this helped me tremendously and tell you their story um there is one story i can tell you um and one of the points here is about loving your body and becoming more beautiful and by that i'm certainly not saying i became a supermodel that's never going to happen it's more about internal beauty things like getting enough sleep and getting exercise and eating properly uh you know that horrible stereotype of the woman who's depressed after having been dumped by her boyfriend she's lying in bed watching television eating ice cream from a tub that's yeah. probably the worst thing you can do to improve your mood one of the things i found that was really helpful was outdoor exercise especially mm -hmm. if it was with friends and um in terms of a success story there was um someone that that i knew who had such a bout of of sadness that she could barely get out of bed in the morning and i said to her listen if you can do just one thing make time first thing in the morning spend 15 minutes walking in your local park out in nature make mm -hmm. sure you do it and just from that one change she found her mood dramatically improved outdoor exercise there's always yeah. going to be a little bit of nature somewhere near you where you can go for a walk um and that really is very important um sitting at home brooding um watching television eating ice cream is not going to help yeah, uh, no. but but um those those kinds of things so that was a, a um a big success story for for her um the other things that i did one of the first ones was to find confidants and mentors who had my best interests at heart mm -hmm. people that i could vent my deepest darkest feelings to who wouldn't be turned off by it and people who would keep my story confidential 
Um, I found one particular guy uh, didn't work because he broadcast my soap opera to all his friends um, on his email. So that was not a good choice of confidant. So you do want people who are going to keep your story confidential. Um, the second thing was that I cultivated connections old and new because what I found was that almost all the people I mixed with were connected to my husband friends of his or people who were connected to the business we ran together. Now, those are not the sort of people you can talk about marital difficulties with. That's very unprofessional if you do it with people you work with. Yeah. So uh, I needed to rebuild my community. Uh, and I had let it slide so much that there was a really good friend of mine from uh, back in England. She was convinced that I'd done something to offend her because I ignored her emails. I was so busy ministering to my husband, the business, the kids, the house, all that stuff. I, I ignored her emails. And I thought, never again. I'm going to reclaim my friends. I'm going to make new friends and, yes. and build a community. That's really, really important. Whether you choose to stay or go, that's really important. Um, and then the third thing, which is very much part of my background, having grown up in a culture of Monty Python, is laughter therapy. I wanted to... Wait, what is Monty Python? Monty Python's Flying Circus, which is um, <laughs> the... Um, I consider it to be the best comedy show ever. Um, came out of Britain in the 1970s okay. and um, um, my parents used to let us stay up late to watch it on television when it first came out and and that's it they they have a lot of absurd British humor and okay. that's really something that is is part of my psyche I suppose I see absurd humor in 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 most of the tragedies of life basically especially the stuff that befalls me uh, and laughter therapy is very very important. You want to hang out with people that bring you up rather than bring you down. Um, and I stopped watching depressing dramas. Uh, somebody wanted me to go and see Wild with Reese Witherspoon, for example, which is all about how she's getting over depression. No, 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 no. I, I watched comedies, comedies only. And I stopped watching the news. Even as a BBC, former BBC journalist, I used to watch a lot of news, but I found that the news was also bringing me down because it's all bad news. They're not reporting yeah. good news because that's not particularly exciting to listen to. So that was a very, very important thing because your mood is affected by how much laughter you have. Um, there's even a Indian practice called laughter yoga where people actually laugh for a particular period of time and do laughter practices. But I prefer organic, natural laughter from mixing with, yeah. with friends and watching comedies. That's that's my thing. Definitely. I've already covered the next point. Love your body and become beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the fifth point is to find find your passion and become more of a hedonist because especially women, we tend to just keep our nose to the grindstone ministering to our husbands and their needs. And maybe you've got work or a joint business and you're looking after the children and you make absolutely no time for yourself. And that's critical. And a passion can be, you know, volunteering for a cause you believe in. It can be art. It can be music. It can be for me writing a book because I always enjoyed writing. Um, it doesn't mean you give up your day job and, and try and make a living as a, as a saxophone player because you always like doing yeah. <laughs> that. But, you know, you still want to make time to to build what you enjoy because you have to nurture what makes your heart sing. And, yeah. and if you don't do that, you start to feel down and depressed. And that's really important. And finding and I feel like your we forget that. 
Yeah. And if you find your passion, it is also a way that you meet like-minded people. So you make new friends who are interested in the same things that mm-hmm. you're interested in. And then the, the very final thing that, that, that I did, which is the hardest uh, to do, and you touched on it earlier, is that the past is gone and the future doesn't exist. Now, what's right in front of you is all there is. And so many of us spend our time regretting what we've done in the past, wishing we'd done things differently and worrying about the future and how it's going to turn out. And it's kind of a, a total waste of time. It's, um, you know, uh, not what you want to do. You want to try and live in the present and become more mindful, fully engaged in what you're doing right now. And that was, um, as I said, it was challenging but it's an important thing to do. And you don't have to have adversity that you've gone through. You don't have to have an unfaithful husband or you don't have to have breast cancer to find that you're really not living in the, in the present. For so many of us are sort of churning about other things and not really noticing the beautiful scenery, the wonderful friends, the wonderful conversations that are going on right in front of us. And, and that means that you're not really living, you're just existing. So. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt that the more mindful you are, the more contented you become. And how do you think people get to be more mindful? I think you have to make the decision to do that um, and catch yourself as you are thinking these sort of negative thoughts that are, it's not that you want to feel bad and beat yourself up about having negative thoughts. That's not uh, what I'm saying, but mm-hmm. if you catch yourself with thoughts that just aren't helping you um, and you realize that you're not focusing on what you're doing right now, um, then you can work at uh, becoming more mindful. Actually, on my website, if you go to uh, cjauthor.com, cjauthor.com, I have a, an exercise that I did on how to uh, use a piece of chocolate to learn how to become more mindful. I'm a real chocoholic, so it was <laughs> something that resonated with me. And um, uh, so you'll find on that website page uh, how to do the exercise. And also I have a free PDF called Overcoming infidelity, tools to tame the roller coaster of negative emotions, which also includes that chocolate exercise. And the reason why it's so effective is you use all five senses and you learn how to become more mindful rather than you're picking this thing up and stopping it in your nose, yeah. not in your nose, sorry, in your mouth, and you're doing something else, but you're not really, <laughs> not really <laughs> tasting it. No, don't stick it up your nose, not a good idea. Um, but, uh, you know, it's so easy to sort of, you're eating it and yeah. you're not really okay you like chocolate but you're not really enjoying it you know and this is a way to wow you're doing something you enjoy take some time to savor it Um, I know you know and we don't do that we don't do that we don't do that it's a shame and we're out in nature and you're just head down thinking about oh I've got to get my tax preparation done because the deadline's come out no enjoy the beautiful scenery you're not going to be able to do your tax preparation when you're walking in the in the woods anyway so yeah you know I mean those those are the kinds of things we need all of us will benefit by becoming more mindful and, and enjoying the present as it is right now. There's no question. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like that that's the reason of my podcast, right? Kind of like we, we need to be more aware of how to, we can be more mindful and how we can that like live in the press and be better people because it's so easy 
to get lost in work and being busy and just attending things that you have to do with your friends that you you real you look back to your years back and I mean yeah the years that have passed and you realize that you haven't truly enjoyed so many things and now it's too late maybe to enjoy like certain things that they're already gone right and it's and there's so many distractions and it's very easy to get bogged down in for example social media ministering to your your twitter your facebook yeah um you know worrying about what people say about you and how you appear to others and all of this kind of stuff it's sort of irrelevant um you want to be enjoying your life as it is right now in the real world not in the world of the small screen uh and that's that's what's going to make you happy i don't think having thousands of facebook friends is going to make anybody happy in the way as having just a couple of really good flesh and blood friends will yeah no totally and i feel like that's why i like the the pandemic so much for example and my mom hates that i say that i love the pandemic that for me was great and it's because I'm, I'm like the typical person that has too many friends, I'm running everywhere and I would go to work and then I had like a birthday, then I had a dinner, then I had like to go to the movies, like so many things that when the pandemic hit, it was like, huh, now I have time for me. And I've grown so much as a person and it, it's amazing. I, I'm like so glad that life, I mean, I'm not glad for, for, for the pandemic itself, but I, that life and the world gave me like a hard stop and being like, Mariana, you got to focus on yourself as well. You know, like you come first. And it's funny because that's something that I always knew, but I never applied. And now, again, it's so easy to go back into like the routine that I had before that I have to be mindful and be and acknowledge those moments when I'm like, oh, I, I feel like I'm getting myself lost and then kind of like go back to where I where I am now. But I think it's it's so important to under like to to recognize and to identify those moments when you're like getting lost and put yourself back on track on the track that you want. That it's great, but it's so hard. And at the same time, it's so easy, right? Because it's right there. It's that it, we know it, we have it in, in us. It's just that again, we're busy, like you said going around in nature and we had our head we have our head in in so many problems that we don't get, really get to enjoy nature and i think it was like i've been in canada almost seven years and i hated being here for so long and i think it was at the mark of four years that for whatever reason i was trying to go to the um, to the gym it was closed I couldn't, I was like, okay, but I want to, I want to work out. What do I do? And I went outside. I hated it. I ran outside like three kilometers. I hate it. And the next day I went to the gym again and they were like, no, it's still in repairs. Like the gym from the condo. I was like, okay, fine. I'll go outside. And I went outside and I loved it. CJ, I started like looking at the trees at the lake. I live downtown Toronto. So I have the lake right here. And it was such a game changer. And in one of those runs, I don't know if it was the fourth, fifth, I don't know when, but I finally said the words, thank you, Canada. And it was while I was on one of those runs. And I was like, I can't believe me. I can't believe that it took me this long and to run out in the nature 
and absorb the air, the peacefulness of the lake, the universe, everything to be like, I am actually thankful for being here. Four years later, it's crazy. But it probably takes about that long to even feel like you're a member of the community uh, rather than a foreign person invading sort of thing, you know, um, and building community is, is so important. And if you have a, a, a strong circle of friends, that makes you feel at home in any place, I think. Uh, so, so that's what I would say. But you're so right that it's very easy to get caught up in all kinds of distractions and all kinds of busy work. Um, and obviously, there are things you have to do. You can't let things slide so that bills don't get paid and you haven't got a job that pays, pays them for you. Um, yeah. But you've got, to, you've got to have a personal life outside that. That, yeah. that makes you makes you happy. That that uh, makes you feel connected to this world, the universe, and all of that kind of stuff. And your story about um, being in some ways grateful to the pandemic is is a common story for a lot of people. It did allow us to slow down. It allowed us to make new connections because the whole idea of meeting people on Zoom, Clubhouse, all kinds of things like yeah. that um, came into being. And you can build community that way when it's um, real-time communication, real-time audio, yes. real-time video. Um, what, I've, what I've always found deadening, though, is the kind of communication that people have through some of the older social media platforms like Facebook, like Twitter, um, that those things can be uh, as much a negative on your psyche as a, as a positive. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I feel like I don't visit those pages that much and I feel like it's because it doesn't add me that much value but so I wanted to ask you another thing that it came to my mind right now if you had to put a name on that chapter of your life when you were discovered breast cancer then cheated on and then again breast cancer how would you call that chapter of your life I'd probably call it the dark ages <laughs> <laughs> A bit like, uh, you know, medieval Europe or whatever. Um, it was definitely uh, a time when I was at a low point. And I think you need low points to develop high points. Um, yeah. Because if everything stays on an even keel and it's sort of more or less okay all the time, it's not much of a, a catalyst to make you improve your life. I found that um, I grew so much as a person after having gone through both the infidelity and the breast cancer. Uh, it, it just makes you, it, it, it speeds things up. You, you think, wow, um, how am I going to live the rest of my life? I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. How can I change it? What can yeah. I do? And, and that was really the, the catalyst. And I, I was going to ask, because one of the things that I was going to say is that when I mentioned that you got married when you were 20, 20 something, it's like, the way that I see myself now, it's like right now I'm very hard on who do I choose to be with? Like, what do I want for my life? What do I look for in a partner? And I always say, if I were in my 20s and I don't know, I could have gotten married to whoever and then you'll figure it out as you go, which is not the best scenario, but it's a scenario for so, so many people. So I feel like we don't we don't know where we are exactly at that age, unless you're like very, a very, very, very mature person. But I feel like it's, it, it's a sad reality that happens to a lot of people that they're, they've been married for years and then you talk to them and they're just like, 
souls how do you feel like souls and pains for some reason like- well that, that's true um and uh, that also is one of the reasons why there's so much infidelity um mm. marriages that have gone south um gone sour um and perhaps the partners are staying together for economic reasons or to keep the house in the home intact for the children but they really aren't happy together and so many marriages after you know a decade or two turn celibate I was amazed. I have a chapter in my adulterer's wife book about celibate marriages. It's um, it, that's another dirty little secret that people don't tell you about. Um, and if you ain't getting fed at home, you're going to go for a takeout. Totally, <laughs> so, totally. so that, that that was often a, a reason I found why um, infidelity happened. Um, and it's as I said, it's not black and white. You can't always blame the uh, the partner that's cheating, um, but blaming is a waste of time anyway you really don't want to go into the blame game you want to if you're not happy with that person if you haven't felt that they've treated you well well then you have to decide either to stay if things can be improved or if you really uh, you know are stuck with it for financial reasons or for the children and then you make the best of it or you move on and and um and leave the relationship so uh and those are difficult decisions to make but uh it's necessary to do it Totally. And I feel like something beautiful that you mentioned, I believe, on your book is that you don't blame the mistress, right? It's, and I feel like a lot of people, I come from a Latin culture, and you can see that guys would be so mad if the girl is kind of like looking at another guy, and they would hate the other guy. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, who has a fault here the person that it's in the relationship let's like not the other person the other person might don't even know what's going on right um you know yeah and there are plenty of cases where um uh guys have affairs and they never tell the um woman that they're seeing that they're married that's that's also common um but you know at the very least the mistress never entered into those marriage vows with you Mm -hmm. but your partner did and exactly. so who's more to blame? Well, the one that made the va- marriage vows, not the one that didn't. I mean, sure, you know, there are certain times when um, this poor hapless man gets snapped up by this voracious woman. Yeah. Um, but that's usually not the uh, not not what has not what happens. Um, but it's easy for people to because they don't want to blame that blame their partner. They don't want to blame their husband because they still love them. So it's obviously all the fault of the mistress. You know, yes. they just dragged them off, kicking and screaming to have an affair with them. Sure. No, exactly. no, no. That's not what happened. <laughs> it's like when I, I don't know what I saw, but it was like somebody cheated on someone. I don't know if it's from a movie or whatever. And it's like, oh, you're going to tell me that you fell down and you landed on his dick. Like, well, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. That's a great story. Yes. Uh. <laughs> I don't know where I heard it, but it was like, yeah, exactly. No, that just doesn't happen. And I was going to ask, what could you say has been or was the hardest thing for you about when you got like diagnosed with cancer the second time? And also, I would say, well, the first and second time, and also the hardest thing for you about the cheating um, from your husband? 
Well, first of all, the hardest thing about the cheating for my husband was that it was a time, some people think, oh, well, it must have happened at a really bad time in your marriage. We were getting on better than ever oh. before. And I thought that, uh, I really thought we had a very, very strong relationship. Mm -hmm. So that really shocked me. Um, so that was was probably the, the hardest thing. Uh, had we not been getting on well and fighting and not had a sex life and all of that, I might have thought that it was more reasonable in a funny kind of way but we'd actually we were getting on better than ever before um okay. so so that made it very shocking and as far as the second diagnosis of breast cancer is concerned um i was just about getting back on an even keel after finding out about the infidelity i had a fledgling new relationship with a wonderful guy from london um you know long distance relationship because i was in california at the time um and so I thought everything was fine. And after I'd had my first bout of cancer, I had changed my diet. I was exercising a lot. I, you know, I took supplements and, and all of this. I thought I was living a very healthy lifestyle. So it was a hell of a shock that I got breast cancer the second time. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I was so healthy. I didn't think that anything like that would, would happen. And actually, it was a worse uh, case of breast cancer than I'd had the first time. I had it on uh, the left side in 2007, and there was no lymph node involvement. I just had radiation therapy after that. But with the uh, cancer I got in 2014, there was a micromat in one of my lymph nodes, which meant that I had to have chemotherapy. And that was a huge um, yeah. blow. Um, I didn't really want to do that. I had a you know second opinion they found the same result and all of that kind of stuff so I, I ended up doing radiation chemo and a lot of alternative therapy as well so um but that was a real shock huge shock because I thought I was so incredibly healthy and I was back to being happy again you know just starting this brand new relationship and yeah. now what was I going to do you know he wasn't going to want to have a relationship with somebody with slashed boobs and looking like a hairless zombie you know but, uh, you know, um, actually it, it survived our, our relationship. Um, my relationship survived. So yeah, he was, he was pretty good, but it was all long distance. When I was going through chemo and radiation, I was on my own in, in uh, California, which was another reason why I wrote my second book, um, uh, My Wild Ride, How to Thrive mm -hmm. After Breast Cancer and Infidelity, because so many uh, breast cancer memoirs slash self-help books um, are about this wonderful support that the lady got from her, their partner. Uh, I know Joan London's book uh, uh, does that. She she wrote a book about her breast cancer story, uh, Had I Known. Mm -hmm. And um, in her dedication, she has two pages uh, talking about how wonderful her husband was and how helpful he was. Um, for my book, um, I won't be having a dedication like that, I'm afraid. I did it on my own. I was my own advocate and yes. I managed quite fine. <laughs> yeah, and that that's admirable, admirable, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I bet it was hard, like, to have that long distance and try, like, wanting to have that person with you, right? Like holding your hand at least once, like on those chemo. I mean, that's a game changer, I guess. And it, I guess, yeah, again, it hits you with the bad, full of nails, but right. when you think you're doing everything perfect and everything by the book, and then life just comes like you, woo! <laughs> with a curveball, absolutely. Yes, you get, you get hit with a curveball, right? Yep. Just when you think everything's fine, so. We always have to be prepared for the unpredictable nature of uh, existence on this planet. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But OK, so CJ, we're going to cut the like the first part of our wonderful episode. 
And I do want to ask you before we cut this first part, um, the question that I'll ask all my speakers and is all my guests. Um, <laughs> if you could change something in your life, what would it be and why? Well, you know, I don't think I want to change anything because I'm very happy with my life as it is now. And with that butterfly effect, if you do one tiny thing, yes. you could be in a completely different place. And I'm very happy with my life as it is now. I think that um, I've been extremely fortunate and I'm very grateful for the opportunities I've had. So I can't really think of too much that I'd want to change, you know? Um, maybe I could have brought my children up a bit better to not be so untidy. <laughs> <laughs> that a little bit. Oh, but, you know, um, I should have, when they wouldn't clean up their room, I should have taken the stuff away and thrown it out and said, ah, oh, well, you can have it, or taken it away for a month, so you can have it back when you have a tidy room. Uh, but, you know, nothing really major. I'm pretty happy with, with, with my life as it is now. I really can't complain. <laughs> And I love it because I feel like that's my answer when people ask me right now, like if I could change anything or if I see myself somewhere else. And it's and I feel like that means that you accept your past. Right. And I, it, it was what you were mentioning at the beginning. You accept your past. You've healed from it. And you actually are thankful that that happened because that's why you're you're here. You're doing everything, all the wonderful things that you're doing. So amazing, CJ. So we're going to keep talking people about the little dirty of infidelity. And one thing that I have to comment about CJ's website, it's that I love that she has a section that it says the jealous, no, jealous bitch blog. And I just love it because I feel like it's like where people trying to tell their stories. And again, sometimes people want to have an opinion. It sounds like they're bitching all the time, right? So I guess it comes from there. Yes. And, you know, it's part of that sort of Monty Python style humor. Yes. You know? And if you don't, if you don't laugh, you cry. And I'd much rather laugh. So, yes. um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I've done is I have every Christmas, I do 12 Christmas gifts for your cheating ex. And they are spoof gifts. Whenever I go to yard sales or anything like that, and I see something very weird, I always take a photograph. Oh um, my and so, you know, I'm not saying you have to send your ex-husband that's cheated on you a box of dead fish. I'm just saying, have a laugh. You're not necessarily going to be buying any of those things, but they're all things to make you laugh. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Amazing. So people, if you want to keep hearing us talk about the stories and everything about cheating because we got to talk about this stuff. It happens all the time. And that's my next question for CJ about being her out in the open with a subject. I'm sure you've crossed many, many people with stories similar to like to themselves or people for, for, from their parents or friends. And I feel like that's something that we should talk about more. So people, if you want to keep listening to us, to this two amazing, wonderful women, Head on three days from now to the bonus episode. Bye.